Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Thanks for joining me, Joanne White on Power Your Life. And this yesterday was Valentine's Day. Woo! Some people celebrated all week, and some people are actually feeling bruised from the experience or lack of. And so our focus today is going to be on love greatness. And really, if you're ready to take your love relationships, including the relationship, the love relationship with yourself, stay tuned. And ever heard of being a love athlete? We're going to find out about that today, too. My guest is Daniel Packard, who fuses his passion of helping people create better love with his passion for making people laugh. Daniel spent 10 years as a professional stand-up comedian before starting to train love athletes. He's also created several projects for TV, Broadway, and radio where he delivers insightful lessons in an entertaining and engaging way. Now Daniel's training love athletes throughout his webinars, books, and public speaking engagements. Daniel believes that just like a physical athlete trains his or her bodies for an Olympic-level sport, you too can train your consciousness for Olympic-level love. Through self-love, non-attachment, and many other great tools that Daniel offers, you too can learn to be a love athlete and rewrite your future. His book, Love's One Lesson, How One Thing Can Change Everything, works with Daniel's online training series, Next Level Love, using a proprietary process that he developed so love athletes can use their lives as an experiential inner workout gym, I love this, to build strong inner muscles that allow them to love themselves and love others more fully at the highest level possible. Hello, Daniel Packard. How are you? Good. Doesn't it just sound good when you read it? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, wow. Okay, so here we are. You you were a comedian, stand-up comedian, doing all these professional engagements and whatever. What shifted? What changed? And, and do you incorporate both of them? Or how does it work, Daniel? Well, I think what changed is that comedy was a talent that was given to me. And it my destiny wasn't just to end up as a comedian. And I think somewhere after about 10 years, I realized that I wasn't destined to become a comedian. I was destined to use the skill set to help others. And that was clear to me. There was one time I was on stage and I was doing my show and someone heckled something to me. And he yells out, you know, that you're a fag. And I'm not even gay, but, you know, sometimes people think I'm gay. So I was kind of, you know, used to that. But 
It was just an aggressive thing to say, and something clicked in me. Something clicked that I could sort of get him back and use my skills to kind of annihilate him in front of an audience. But I really felt this like little hand of God that says, no, reach out to him. And I brought him up on stage in front of 200 people, <laughs> and I did like a mini intervention. I asked him why he thought that, why he felt the need to, and we had this kind of expansive connection of hearts on stage. And it was funny, and it was honest-to-goodness healing, and I had this honest-to-goodness feeling of very few people could have done what I just did because often comedians are full of pain and they hurt people back with humor, but I use the humor to connect and heal. And I thought, oh my God, this is what I'm meant to do. And then I got off stage and the owner of the club walked up to me and basically said, don't ever do that again. Your job is to tell jokes, not experiment and do whatever you did. And in that moment, the pure feeling of purpose was so strong that even though I'd spent 10 years getting to a headliner level and I could headline and do, I was at a very high level. I thought I need, I need to move on. And I threw out my entire act just threw it out and started over as a beginner trying to figure out a way to fuse humor with an improvisational method where you could talk not at a crowd but talk with a crowd. And that's what started this sort of using humor to heal people. And so it was a very powerful, almost biblical moment, and I still remember it. So that's how it started. You know, oftentimes we have those aha, those moments like that, that that move us or shift us into like what happened with you, Daniel, what you really hear and what you're meant to do, which I find, you know, I've, I've, I've experienced that. I find it, it's so beautiful. And so in, in synchronicity, when that happens, love athlete, I have somebody saying, what do I have to do? Do I have to do 20 million push-ups with my partner? I mean, so... <laughs> What's a love athlete, and and how do we get there? Well, it's two things. It's kind of what I affectionately call the people that I train. But it's also, you know, people out there, it's an attitude. It's an attitude towards love. And the best way to describe it is kind of the moment that I that I chose to become a love athlete. And it was when maybe, well, before that, I was kind of a love, a love amateur, a love hobbyist. And by that, I mean, how was I showing up to the video game of love? And w I was struggling with women. I wasn't able to attract what I wanted and be who, with who I wanted. And then I was at this leadership camp. It was a men's leadership camp. And there was this moment where basically 100 men at this men's leadership camp were really disagreeing with me. They were just telling me that I had no point of view. And I knew that my heart was true. And I stood up. I stood up in front of these hundred men, scared to death, and I said, look, in my heart, I know what I'm saying is true, and you either agree with me or you don't, but I'm moving forward. And I saw a hundred men just sort of melt, and the week after, in the course, these men came up to me, and they said, you know what? I still don't agree with you, but I'll follow you anywhere. And it was this very powerful moment of, oh, my God. When I truly establish what I want and where I'm going, people follow. There's a magnetism. And then I had this awareness that with women, I don't do that. I kind of pursue them, but when they get a little bit ambivalent or wishy-washy, I get scared and I back off. And I realize I want to be a leader with men, but I want to be a leader in love. And before that course, there was this woman who, that I was very into. And we flirted, but then all of a sudden she ran hot and cold, and I backed off. And right 
when I came out of the course, uh, I sent her a text. And I said, look, I live in New York. You live in San Francisco. I'm coming to San Francisco, and I'm taking you out on a date. Send. <laughs> Just like telling her. Telling her. Not like, hey, what's up? Not being passive, saying, hey, I'm coming for you. And it felt very scary, but very beautiful. And I'm not kidding you. After six months of avoiding me, 45 seconds later, she texted back. She said, I'm ready and excited. And I went, oh, my God. Like, this is, this is the beauty of going after it and, and also watching the universe give you the gift. So an, a love athlete is partly someone who goes after love. They don't reactively wait. They proactively create the love that they want. And the other part of being a love athlete is that we train. You really train. You know what aspects, what muscles you need to build within your consciousness to become the person you want to be, and you train in it. And again, I remember the moment for me because I knew that I had to build my courage muscle. And so I spent eight months just working on courage, meaning anytime I'm uncomfortable, just do the thing you have to do. Don't worry about if it's right or perfect or slick. Just work on the courage muscle. And my whole life, I'd been very afraid of planting the first kiss. It was just my kryptonite, and I can't tell you how many opportunities I'd missed out on with my face, like a foot from the woman that I wanted to kiss, but too scared to kiss. But then for six months, I just worked on courage. And I was on this date with a woman, and I knew it was the time for the first kiss. I could feel it because I got scared, and my throat started to close up, but I'd been working on courage. And so even though my body was shaking and I was sweating, I, I got up out of my chair and just kept moving, just kept moving, just kept having courage. And my legs were rigid and I knew I wasn't slick, but I was just working on courage. And I move and I'm awkward and I lean down and I plant this first kiss, totally sober, knees shaking. <laughs> and that was the last time. It was the worst kiss I'd probably ever done because I was shaking like, like I was at a National Spelling Bee. But the point is, is that once I planted the first kiss, I was never afraid of a first kiss again because I had trained in the act of courage. And that's what I was aware of. There's all these things that we want to be in life and these ways we want to show up. We want to be more authentic. We want to be more open. We want to be more patient. But then people don't train in it like a discipline. So I, being a scientist, decided to create these disciplines and these tools and these inner workout machines where you could train. And when you trained, you got results faster. So a love athlete is both an attitude, but it's also understanding that if you want to improve your love life, you can absolutely train for it. So, and when you're talking about training for love and when I'm seeing it, I'm not just seeing it in relationship to marriage or a life partner or whatever. I'm seeing love, to me, love is all-inclusive, too. So I'm also seeing it in, in relation to our children, to friends, to the way we actually step up to the activities that we're doing, to our business, whatever, our careers. Because I think that, that if we infuse being conscious and being present with with whatever we're doing, the person or what, I, I, I think that that's really very strong and powerful. You talked about the courage muscle, Daniel. What other muscles do love athletes train? I know when, when you're training your body, they're, they're, you know, they're very specific muscles. What are the specific muscles for love? Well, I'll, it's a very good question. Um, there's, so some that come to mind, um, 
One is obviously self-love. Um, you've heard, obviously, we all know the quote, you can't love someone else until you love yourself. And everybody knows that. And when I was kind of going through my evolution from caterpillar to butterfly, you know, I finally, after just being completely frustrated and lack of fulfillment, I thought I could outrun that parable, you know, thinking maybe there's a magical back door. Maybe I cannot love myself but still get love. But God is pretty resolute. He wants you to love yourself. So he's not going to give you the shiny thing until you've evolved this. So once I figured out, all right, I can't. There is no magical third alternative. I have to love who I am. I then looked out into the world of spirituality and personal development, and I didn't see any very potent self-love building tools. I saw everybody talking about self-love. I talked, saw everybody saying how important it is, but then how do you actually build it? What is it? Why does it go missing? How do we get it back? And so for me, uh, again, I was a mechanical engineer. My dad was a physicist. So I said, all right, just out of pure necessity – you know, I want to cuddle more, uh, I built my own science of self-love and how to train in it. That's what I coached people in in 10 years, and a majority of what the Next Level Love course that I'm offering on March 8th is about is you're, like an athlete, you are daily building self-love in your system. You have an actual process and tools to build it. So you don't have to, you don't have to keep talking about it and wanting it or seeing the effects of it, you can actually address it the same way an overweight person can address their weight. You can address your self-love. So how does somebody know if they need more self-love? Maybe it is apparent to some people, and maybe some people don't know that. What are, what are some of the signs that we're not loving ourselves enough or as, as the best way that we can, Daniel? Well, it's a really, really good question because what I found was that this topic of self-love, just like love, is kind of thrown about rather inexactly. You know, we say we love people, but as we know, some of the most unloving behavior in the world is done by people who claim they love each other. And a lot of love is codependency. And so the word love, which is a really sacred word, sometimes gets misused because we just don't really truly know how to define it. And the same thing with self-love. People use the word to the best of their ability, but I found out most people don't um, fully understand it. I'm, I'm a love nerd and a scientist, and, and you really studied it. And uh, people mistake things. You know, I know people in the personal development spiritual community who say, oh, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself. I, but then you look at their behavior. And to the trained eye, I can see that that behavior that's not healthy is absolutely connected to their lack of self-love. So they can't see it. And I I remember when I first started on my self-love journey, I did a search, and there was sort of a Cosmo article on, like, 10 ways to love yourself. And it said, like, bubble baths, take a trip, uh, hang out with friends. And I was like, oh, my God. I mean, that's not going to undo 30 years of, you know, karmic unjustness. Like you got to go deeper. You can't just take a bubble bath. That's now there is some self-love in it, of course, but really the way you know how much you love yourself on some level is how fulfilled are you? How fulfilled and how satisfied are you with the love that you're getting in your life? Because I believe that love is God's reward for us getting our act together. And by I, when I say getting our act together, I mean healing our karmic wounds and truly loving who we are, truly. And so God 
wants us to have love. He puts it in the video game as a motivator for us to get our act together because God wants us to evolve. He wants us to work on our karma, but he also knows we're lazy. So the universe and God creates this little video game with the reward that you get the love as a reward for working off your karma and loving yourself. And so when you're not loving yourself fully, God energetically pulls higher levels of love away for you to kind of make you suffer and be unfulfilled to motivate you to grow. So I, when I listen to someone, and part of the love athlete training is I can pinpoint exactly where you're not loving yourself. That's part of the training is you become very self-aware. But even without working with me, if you look out in your life and you're not fully fulfilled or you're not in a relationship that truly nourishes you or you're single and you don't have 10 out of 10 love, that is a way of letting you know somewhere I'm not fully in integrity and loving myself. That's how you know. I think we need to talk to somebody just texted me about if I'm by myself she says if I'm by myself I'm not in a relationship I'm really happy about my life I really have a lot of friends I'm very fulfilled with with the work that I do I feel she said I feel that the work is is god-given and I mean isn't that enough do I have to be in in this specific relationship well, with all due respect, and I'm going to make a generalized projective assumption based on a lot of experience. So if I'm wrong, uh, correct me. But I'm going to say this. Um, I think that person is not being fully honest with themselves. And I say that based on experience. I could be totally wrong, but I'm just going to roll with this because I get clients coming in the door all the time saying, I'm great. Things are wonderful. And they'll use language like that. I don't need a man. Isn't that enough? And the answer is, well, it depends on what level. Because, of course, you're fulfilled. Of course, you have things going on. But let's be honest. Being with a partner is amazing. It's incredible. It just gives you a higher level of experience of yourself. Do you need it? No. You can absolutely function and absolutely do great without it. So, no, you don't need it, meaning you won't die, meaning you're not a bad person. But let's be honest. We've all been there when we meet someone and there's resonance and our body electrifies. You think that's an accident? That's God's gift to you. You think he's putting that out there and doesn't want you to experience that? So I get people coming in all the time. My life's great. I don't need someone. But every single client that comes in the door that says that, if you scratch the surface even a little bit, they'll very quickly admit, of course I want love. I'm scared to get hurt. I'm scared to get let down. I'm scared to go into another relationship that repeats the past. And so that statement of, I'm fine. I'm great. I have friends. Now, if it's fully true, wonderful. But often it's masking, I'm scared to be in a relationship. So no, you don't need one, but I guarantee you want one. And I guarantee what keeps you from going after it is fear. And that's the fear that I help people with is we train so that hurt and that pain and that lack of fulfillment doesn't keep happening. That's why. So that's what I would say to her. I'm happy you're fulfilled. Keep going. But I have a feeling that life is better when you have someone to share it with to mirror your magnificence back to you. So you don't need it, but I guarantee you want it. And if nothing else, cuddling is incredible. And if you don't want more cuddling, fine, don't work with me. But if you want more cuddling, and I guarantee you do, Come find me. Well, what you're doing here, I'm playing devil's advocate, even 
you and I've had a conversation, so you know me a little bit, and it is putting a par- love partnership, whether it's a marriage or a partner, you know, that special love relationship above all other love. Is that true? And is, is that really love? The only love at that level, Daniel? I don't think I said that. Did I say that? It feels like it. It feels like, you know, if you don't have, maybe it's my interpretation, which is, it feels that, okay, if you say that you're fulfilled, you may be, and you don't need that special relationship or that, that relationship with a partner. It may be that it's, that it's coming from other areas, including fear. However, people with their children, with their, with their pets, with other friends and often have incredible higher love kinds of relationships that where there's value, there's joy, there's, there's, there are levels of intimacy, there's physicality. So why is one love over any other love? Well, if that is what I perhaps communicated, then uh, you're absolutely right. There is no one love better than other love, and those loves can absolutely be fulfilling and nourishing in so many ways. And so, yeah, it's not about one over the other or that if you don't have this one, the other ones don't matter. It's, uh, so let me be clear on that. Um, what I was talking about is people that say things like, well, I don't need it. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, I don't need it. Everything is great. I have all these friends and this job. Um, Often I have found, again, through experience, that 10 out of 10 times, those people would love to have a relationship, but it's fear and stuff and blocks that keep them from fully embracing it. So, again, you don't need it, but it is a beautiful gift And an intimate relationship is a very specific mirror. And in my opinion, love is not a drug. It's a classroom. It's an opportunity for you to be at the highest level because romantic relationships are often the most intense because we have the most meaning and they bring up the most issues. So a romantic relationship, because of its proximity, its closeness, its intimacy, it brings up stuff up. And it's a beautiful opportunity to allow you to grow at the highest level. That's partly what I think God created these relationships for. They challenge us in unique ways. But also, an intimate partner can mirror yourself back to you, often in a way that other relationships can't. There's a closeness. There's a being seen, an acknowledgement, an authenticity, an intimacy that you get through personal relationships. So I don't think it's better or needed, but I think it's a unique gift that I would challenge someone who's claiming they don't want it. What are some of the benefits that people experience being a love athlete, Daniel? Well, there's a couple things. Um, first off is I believe that there are some basic core sort of software, meaning belief system blocks that keep everybody from love, um, having to do with self-esteem and self-love. And that's, that's sort of ground zero what keeps us from most of the love that we want, most of the fulfillment, most of the happiness. It's our beliefs. Now, on some level, people get that. They understand their belief system affects them. But I've found they're not as aware 
as they could be, meaning there are a few core blocks that keep people. Now, if you don't, if you're not fully aware that it's your belief system that keeps you from love, and this is how I was 10 years ago, I didn't fully get that it was a belief system job. If you don't get that it's about belief systems, that that's truly what's keeping you from love, then it's natural human tendency to blame something else. You're going to say, well, it must be something else. And I blamed the women of the world. I blamed the city I lived in. I blamed my height. For a long time, I had pimples, and I blamed my pimples, meaning that was the problem. Um, I blamed all these other things. And when people realize that there's really only one or two things that keeps people from love, and they can really truly see that, and that's what a love athlete gets. You get a very clear mirror of what's holding you back. When you fully see what the real thing is, you don't blame the other things. And so what I want to tell everyone else out there is that what keeps you from love is not you. You are fine. It's not your body that keeps you from love. It's not your height. It's not your age. It's not your wrinkles. It's not your cellulite. It's not the other gender. All of that is fine. So I want to let everybody else out there know that if you're blaming what you look like, that's not what keeps you from love. And I really want you to know that everyone out there right now, without changing an inch of yourself, is perfect and amazing and can have love now as is. And that concept is very freeing and healing for people that blame their body or their age or they're angry at the other gender. It's very – when I finally realized that my pimples didn't make me unlovable, it was very healing. So a day after Valentine's Day, I want to give people a little healing Valentine love of it's not what you look like or who you are that keeps you from love. It's your beliefs. The second part that people get is when they finally see the major thing that keeps them from love, automatically they get a little bit of hope. Because if you're not addressing the real thing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. And of course you're starting to have doubt. Of course you're starting to be unfulfilled and a bit resentful and start to settle. Of course you are. But when you finally see, oh my God, that's the thing, and I can work on that thing like an athlete, automatically you get hope. You get a bit more excited. You realize you don't have to get more of the same. You can create and change your love trajectory. And so hope is the first thing, and then an acceptance of their body is the second thing. Well, it's also the the you know the acceptance of self too, right? It's, I mean, not just not just the physicality. Some people we have limitation. We we think we have certain limitations, or maybe we do have certain limitations. I get a headache when <laughs> um, somebody's trying to ta- tell me about high math. <laughs> My head literally hurts from it. It's, it's amazing, and it's like okay, so. Mm-hmm. This is not, and I'm just shifting a little bit into more self-love, this is not my area of expertise. And, okay, I don't need to be a mathematician. You know, I need math for, for, what I, for whatever I'm doing, and it works. But in terms of caring about myself, that's not an issue. I can accept that shortcoming and still feel okay about who I am. So what are the other components of not just the body. How do we get to that level of self-acceptance? Well, I'll give you two answers. Uh, one is a little bit of a plug. At the end of the podcast, uh, I'll send people to loveathlete.com where there's a series of videos that gives you the blueprint 
the blueprint and the architecture of the love athlete system so people can kind of see it. It's also what I do in Next Level Love, which is launching on March 8th, just kind of putting that out there. Um, if you're interested in that, go to loveathlete.com. However, um, part of it, part of self-acceptance, and I say this especially to the spirituality and personal development community, is I believe there's a bit of a blind spot that I was certainly guilty of, and I've since rectified and kind of put it into the course. And that is, we already get almost the whole video game. We understand the person we want to be. We get kind of what holds us back. Uh, we get our patterns. And then what happens is we start to awaken and we realize, okay, I got to be better. And we learn about concepts like uh, being more open, being more present, being more forgiving, being less judgmental, being more authentic. Like when you start to awaken and take responsibility, you already know what has to happen. The problem is, is that we treat it in a masculine way. And by masculine, I mean people will come to me and they'll say, okay, Daniel, I know I need to be authentic. And they'll treat it like I have to go be this now. Or I know that I need to be more open to love. But they treat it like I have to go be it now. And it's masculine. Go be open. Go be authentic. Go be loving. Go be surrendering. And it's masculine, meaning it's a goal. You got to go do something. But What's missing is the feminine. The mm. feminine is the actual healing, the actual tenderness and care that would allow a consciousness to actually be more open. Because as you know, you can't just go be more open no more than you can just go lose 500 pounds. It's a process. It's a journey of healing and care. And people don't like the feminine sometimes because it's open-ended. How do I do it? What does it look like? People like the masculine. Go be open. But that just doesn't work, and it's very uncompassionate to yourself because it's taken you decades and lifetimes to get to this point. You can't just go be open. So part of for everybody, if you want to move towards that better you, and part of the, the curriculum I teach is really being okay with where you're at, really being aware of your patterns, seeing your patterns, but then showering it with the innocence of love, just like if you see a child and you can say, yes, that child keeps, uh, you know, running into a wall. Yes, that child doesn't know how to run. But you don't walk up to a child who's learning to walk and go, you know what you need? You need to learn to run. You need to learn to dance. You walk up to the child and say, you know what? I accept you totally where you're at. I'm not going anywhere. I, of all people, love and accept myself as is right here. One day we will be better. But in this moment, I accept and fully love myself now. It's a very profound level of self-acceptance that sometimes in people's attempt to rush to a better them, they don't stop and just fully nurture and accept themselves as is. And so I tell people, you're like a flower. You're like a garden. Your consciousness is like a garden. It's destined to open. But if you walk into a garden and your flowers aren't blossoming, you don't say, okay, I want my flowers open. I want my flowers healthy. It doesn't work. You have to sit and be with the flowers and with the seeds and sit with them, give them water, give them light, give them love, and then allow God and the universe to let the flower open. So I love the idea that it's a process, and I think that, that we do have to balance the, the masculine and feminine within each one of us because we all have that. 
What do you say, and we have a little bit of time, what do you say to people, Danielle, who continuously choose the same partners over and over and make the same mistakes over and over and kind of wonder, what, what, why isn't this working for me? What's going on with love? Why are these people the way they are? Well, again, a very, very good question that a lot of people struggle with because, you know, they start to pay attention. They see their patterns. They're aware and responsible enough to know, hey, look, this happened five times in a row. I don't know how, but I'm in on it somehow. I don't know how. And a concept that when we don't fully love ourselves, there's this other concept of worthiness, meaning how much love And what quality of love are we worthy of? And when you don't fully love yourself, you mechanically also don't think you're worthy of the highest levels of love. And so what happens is is people attract 8 out of 10 love, 7 out of 10 love, and they they think it's kind of all they get. It's like, okay, this is what I get. This is the love that I've seen. This is what my parents look like. I think I'm not fully lovable, so I don't get full love but also I'm afraid this person's going to leave me, so I better just take what I can get. And people hang out in these average relationships. But their deep knowing knows they want more. And so they get frustrated. They get resentful. They get exhausted trying to accept this seven. And so oftentimes people come to me and they'll say, I'm in this dynamic. I'm in this relationship. Why does this keep happening? Why does this keep happening? And it's kind of like you keep going into an avalanche zone over and over and over again. Then once you're in the avalanche zone, you're like, how do I get out of the avalanche? Why do avalanches keep hitting me? And it's like when I work with people, I'm like, why don't we back up and create a target and trajectory such that you stop going into avalanche zone? And we get very clear in what your heart wants, what qualities in a partner you want, and you understand fully that you can go after it. And then what can we do to train such that your trajectory automatically aligns with that? Because people know they settle. They meet someone that's a 7 out of 10, and then they lie to themselves and justify a bit why the 7 out of 10 is okay. And you can lie to yourself for a while, but eventually the karma of that decision catches up to you. But oftentimes that's like one to five years of exhaustion and desperation. So I'll tell people that you can absolutely positively have 10 out of 10 love with a 10 out of 10 person. How do I know? God put that idea in you to motivate you, not to taunt you. So if you know that it's possible in your heart, if you look out in the world and you see other people with 10 out of 10 partners in 10 out of 10 relationships, it's absolutely possible. You're absolutely allowed to have it, but you're going to have to do that inner work to get it. And so on this Valentine's week, I just want to let there's people out there either in relationships or single going, is, is the love even out there? Maybe I should settle. You know, maybe it's just not out there. And I want to tell you, no, that love is out there. I'm telling you, God put it out there. Don't give up. Don't settle. Keep dreaming and keep going. Just do the work so that God wants to give it to you. You know, Daniel, uh, we're, I love, firstly, I love the, the whole point, the love athlete and the fact that people really have to show up for themselves and that love also encompasses really loving yourself at the core. How do people, you're, you're starting that new course in a few weeks, how do people get a hold of you, sign up for this course, become the love athlete 
that they want to be? Well, go to loveathlete.com, and there's a series of videos there, a series of recordings that I created to basically share with people uh, the, the big insight for me as to how to build self-love and the process that I created to do it. It's the blueprint that I've trained people for 10 years. It's the proprietary architecture. It's not just a lesson in like concepts. You'll truly be healed by the recordings. I know that seems kind of arrogant, but it's true because there are these deep truths that when I saw them were deeply nourishing because I stopped blaming myself and I had a real path to connect to my magnificence and divinity. So those three recordings will explain to you more about what I do and how I do it and how to get in touch with me for the course of Next Level Love that's starting on March 8th. If you're listening to this, record, to this podcast and you're like, screw it, I don't need to hear it, I'm in, I love this guy, I'm ready, you can just sign up for the course at nextlevel.love. There's a syllabus, there's a schedule, there's pricing. You can ask me questions. I always encourage that, just like leap. If you feel this in your heart, screw the recordings, leap, and God will catch you. Uh, so either loveathlete.com um, or nextlevel.love to sign up. But really, I would just tell everybody out there, you know, um, not everybody's a love athlete. And by that, I mean... I don't work with everybody because everybody's not ready for this. The tools that I created were after I'd had like 10 years of suffering and was fed up because the tools that I've created, I'm telling you, they're like rocket fuel. They're nuclear-grade tools, but they require an all-in commitment, courage, and you have to be so committed to what you want that you're willing to put these tools up and awaken to your greatness. And I'm telling you, it's knee-shaking stuff is deeply nourishing but scary stuff, and it's not for everybody. So if, and I say this with love and compassion, if you're ready to just kind of stay where you're at and suffer a bit more and be in a bit more lack of fulfillment for a while like I was, sometimes that's part of your video game. You have to suffer a bit more till you literally can't take it anymore. But if you literally can't take it anymore or you're like, no, I'm in a relationship, I, I love him, but I'm tired of these patterns. I'm tired of the gridlock. I want to get to that higher level. Or if you're single and you're like, I can't take it anymore. I know it's me. I want to awaken. If you're really ready, then come find me at loveathlete.com or nextlevel.love. Wonderful, Daniel. Thank you so much. And I love the possibility of sharing all of this wonderful stuff with everybody who's listening and beyond because I think love is an essential ingredient to our lives. It enriches who we are. It enriches our relationships and it enriches the world. Thanks again for being a wonderful guest. Have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. Back to you. Take care, Daniel. So think about what Daniel said in terms of being a love athlete. And basically it is about being a commit, being committed to yourself, taking that first step, a courageous first step. Check him out. Check out what it means to be a love athlete and start really resonating with love. And next week we're going to shift gears. And I have Dr. Larry Peacock, who's an MD, who's going to talk about fake it, until you become it. So what do you need to do? We're talking about belief system today. What do you need to do to shift that belief system that's within you to really become what you truly desire? 
And for those of you who want to get in touch with me, you can go to drjoannwhite.com. There are some free articles. Also find out about other information, other shows and whatever. And remember, this show is called Power Your Life because I believe that we have all of the incredible, powerful tools within us to be that very strong, very powerful, very loving person that we are meant to be. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember to do something, doesn't have to be large, something very small today to honor and love who you are and power your life. Thanks so much. Have a blessed day. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.